I'd like to welcome you all to Sunday service here in the Temple of Light at Ananda Village. And welcome especially to all of our guests and visitors. I'm Nayaswami Parvati, this is Nayaswami Pranaba, and our guest speaker today is Sundara. I'll read to you from Rays of the One Light by Swami Kriyananda on the topic for this week. <clears throat> Ego, friend or foe. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. Jesus Christ begins his Beatitudes with the words, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To be poor in spirit in such a way as to merit the kingdom of heaven doesn't mean to be poor-spirited. Rather, it means to see oneself as owning nothing, since all belongs to God. For all is a manifestation of his consciousness. St. John of the Cross wrote, If you would own everything, seek to own nothing. That which the ego relinquishes, offering it up to soul consciousness, is reclaimed forever in cosmic consciousness. Nothing is ever lost. Paramhansa Yogananda tells the story in Autobiography of a Yogi of the levitating saint, Baduri Mahashai. Master, said a disciple of this saint once ardently, you are wonderful. You have renounced riches and comforts to seek God and teach us wisdom. It was well known that Baduri Mahashai had forsaken great family wealth in his early childhood when single-mindedly he entered the yogic path. You are reversing the case, the saint held face held mild rebuke. I have left a few paltry rubies, rupees, a few petty pleasures for a cosmic empire of endless bliss. How then have I denied myself anything? I know the joy of sharing the treasure. Is that a sacrifice? The short-sighted worldly folk are verily the real renunciates. They relinquish an unparalleled divine possession for a poor handful of earthly toys. The Bhagavad Gita in the third chapter states, all things are everywhere by nature wrought in interaction of the qualities. The fool, cheated by self, thinks this I did and that I wrought. But ah, thou strong-armed prince, a better lessened mind, knowing the play of visible things within the world of sense and how the qualities must qualify standeth aloof even from his acts. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh, 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 oh. This man believed that he was God. And... Um, Yogananda, he actually received the letter, Yogananda received the letter from this man at one point, um, asking him to team up together, and gave Yogananda a chuckle. On the back of his chair, 
the man had written God back there. So at one point, um, the father, his, nick, his common name was Father Divine. At one point, Father Divine uh, teamed up with a few other ministers, and um, they were going to have a traveling ministry together. But it didn't really last very long, because one of the ministers accused the other minister of having a monopoly on being God, and Father Divine was God. So, you know, there's only one God, and so that doesn't work out very, very easily. But you know, our egos are always, as Yogananda said, constantly looking for something else that we think will give us happiness that is complete and unending. But it's only those who find God who realize that he is that something else. Typically, when we think of ego, we think of somebody with this big, with this big head. Bharat reminded me of the story of uh, Teddy Roosevelt, who wanted to be the bride at every wedding and the corpse at every funeral. <laughs> and, you know, ego is anything that brings the attention, any situation in our life that brings the attention back to ourself and reinforces that sense of separateness. But the amount of the grip that the ego has on us, whether it is our foe or whether it is our friend, is really determined by our level of consciousness. There's a, a fun story about these two dogs, these two traveling dogs named Tom and Buddy. And Tom and Buddy, are, they walk into this town, and they notice in one of the buildings, the door is open. And so Tom, one of the dogs, walks in to investigate and see what's going on. And a few moments, a few moments later, he comes out, and he's got his tail between his legs, and he's all terrified. And he says to Buddy, there's all these dogs in there that are just snarling at me. And so Buddy decides he's going to investigate himself. And so he goes in there. A few minutes later, he comes out. And he has nothing but smiles on. And it turns out that it was a hall of mirrors. And so it is the world reflects back to us how we see the world. Right? How we see things. One of Swami's songs, he said, Wind on a hill sounds lonely if you're sad. Free if you're free, or cheerful if you're glad. We know when we're kind of feeling low, we're down in the dumps, you know, our energy becomes more contractive. We become more negative. Our thoughts are more judgmental about others and ourselves. I know personally that when um, I have a lot of time on my hands and I don't have much to do, and I'm just kind of binge-watching The Sound of Music or something, <laughs> that... Um, <laughs> You know, the energy can, um, you know, my mind starts to go in places that it normally doesn't go. But as we raise up our consciousness, we lift up our eyes onto the hills. That's where our help comes from. And, um, you know, when our energy is low, we think of ourselves. When our energy is high, the ego releases itself, and we think more of God. We start, usually when our energy is low, we say, why me? What is happening to me? When our energy is higher, when we're living in the consciousness of God, we think only thee. I had a very interesting why me moment. I was 14 years old, 1998. My sister Michelle, older sister, decided it would be a good idea to dress me up like alfalfa from the Little Rascals. <laughs> and if you're not familiar with alfalfa, alfalfa... His hair was parted in the middle like this and had a, 
hair straight up like this in the back, and a bow tie and suspenders. So she dresses me up like alfalfa, and then I thought, okay, that's, that's it. And she said, well, you know, Greg, we need to go to the grocery store, and I would like you to come with me. You can wait in the car. So I wait in the car until she says, no, you're coming actually in with me. And at that moment of leaving the car, I just froze in embarrassment. I'm just self-conscious. Constantly, the energy was kind of getting pulled towards me. And so we walk into the store, and she asked me to buy something. And I'm, I'm in the aisle looking to buy something. And I can feel people just like looking at me, wondering, you know, is this guy a movie actor? You know, is he an, an, someone from another country? Is he from the circus? And so at the corner of my eye, I see this family looking at me. And out of the other corner of my eye, I see my sister kind of looking around me, <laughs> just kind of watching me. And then all of a sudden, she just drops her knees in laughter. She's just, the whole scene, she's just completely laughing. And at that moment, I just stopped you know, I just lost all that self-consciousness and just laughed in the moment. You know, we have to laugh at our egos when these things happen. We can't take it too seriously. You know, and one of the reasons that um, we have our meditation techniques, especially energization and pranayama, is because, you know, the energization brings, helps us to bring energy into our bodies, right? But we, then we tense and we feel, relax and feel. And the more we become aware of the feeling of energy, the more when our ego gets hurt, the more that we become embarrassed and we get frozen, the more we're able to redirect that energy upward towards God because we, we understand what it feels like and we can transmute it. And that's why it's so important. There's a beautiful image of, you know, in, in Whispers from Eternity, there's that prayer poem, Divine Sculptor. Yogananda refers to us, or refers to God as the Divine Sculptor who will just help to chisel our lives. And my wife, Nanda Devi, is um, going to start making these beautiful Mother Mary statues that Jivad at the Crystal Hermitage is going to help her with. And at the Hermitage, we have this silicon mold of the Divine Mother, it's, and it's beautiful. And so she's going to make the statue, and she's going to pour the cementious mold into this, into this uh, cementious product into this mold. And then after it dries, you take the silicon off, and there's the image of Mother Mary. But it's not, it's not finished yet. There's a lot of imperfections that need to happen, that need to occur. And you have to chisel out things a little bit, a little sandpaper here and there. And, you know, we're constantly looking for happiness in our lives. We're constantly trying to get out of the suffering, out of this sense of why me, why is this happening to me? And once we're really sincere and trying to find happiness and wrap ourselves in the thought of God, God is going to say, okay, I'm going to now sculpt you and you better be ready for it. And if we say, yes, I'm ready for it, and of course it's in degrees. Some, we're not, maybe we're not ready for the full knocking off the blocks, but maybe a little chipping here and there. But as we say, yes, God, I give you everything in my life. I want only thee because the world 
the things that I thought was going to give me happiness is not working anymore. I'm ready only for you. I want to be lost in your love. And he's going to stop, the divine sculptor is going to start chipping away the things. And maybe sometimes we say, oh, I don't want to be chipped away with that pride. Glue it back on. Or, you know, that, I, don't want to be, I don't want to be dressed up like little rascal or little Red Riding Hood. You know, glue it back on. But eventually, you know, we get chipped, our ego gets chipped away. And before us is this beautiful statue and Jivita brought us a, a statue of the Divine Mother that he had made, and it's so beautiful. And if you look closely enough, you will see imperfections. But, you know, you have to look at these things from a distance. We can't look at the short-term pain that we're feeling in our lives. We have to look at the promise that the Masters have given us of our freedom that we will find in our home in God. And, you know, that statue, looking at it closely enough, you'll see, again, you'll see these little imperfections. But Yogananda said, if you look at the drain, you're not going to see all the beauty around you. Don't look at the drain anymore. Don't look at the, way, the faults that we've had, the way we've been hurt. Focus on giving more and more. There's a beautiful story. Well, actually, it's not a beautiful story. It's a beautiful story. The movie's not that great. But um, in 2009, we watched... Uh, a movie, a, a group of 20 or 30 of us watched the movie with Swami Kriyananda called uh, St. Joseph of Cupertino. I think it's called um, The Levitating Saint or um, something like that. Um, and we watched this movie with him, The Crystal Hermitage Dome. And, uh, you know, jo- Joseph of Cupertino was an Italian mystic who was known for his levitation skills but the movie portrayed him as being kind of, kind of dumb and kind of stupid and very self-abasing. And at the end of the movie, somebody asked, so Swami, how did you like the movie? And he said, uh, I, didn't think, I didn't like it very much. And he said, it's not about self-abasement, it's about self-forgetfulness. You know, we can say is our times, there are times when our ego is a foe, course, we want to make our ego our friend, and that again depends on our level of consciousness. But ultimately, our true friend only is Divine Mother and God and the Masters. They're the ones who can carry us through every challenge, every pain, when we're at our wit's end, every hardship in our life, if we only let them enter and take charge. But it's really in the self-forgetfulness. And how do we become self-forgetful? Well, When we have too much time on our hands, we become very forgetful, very remembrance of our little small ego selves, don't we? And we keep thinking of, again, why me? Why me? But at Ananda here, we are inspired to meditate every day, to get in the consciousness of God. We meditate, we hold on to that presence and to that blissful joy. And then as we work and serve throughout the day, we're trying to be channels of that joy, of that peace, of God's presence. It's not coming from us, but it's coming through us. And the more that we become that channel, you know, there's so much hatred and craziness and ego in this world. And it's not going to be changed by just telling people to change. We have to be that change and be counteracted with positive and more giving. Be more kind to people. Be more loving. 
just constantly try and be that channel through which God can enter people's lives. And the more that we do that, our egos will just flee, for it will just have no more room to be. Thank you.